We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? It's God time. Yeah, jumping into the guard position. We wrapped up bigs already. Going to get into guards. Next episode is going to be wings. But before we do that, quick reminder, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Subscribe, review, give us a follow on Instagram at the Brooklyn Buzz Pod. But Jack, looking at this group, you know, our guards returning this year, Spencer Dinwiddie, Ben Simmons, Cam Thomas, new additions, Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith Jr., Armani Brooks, and Dariq Whitehead. Yeah, look, Ben Simmons counts himself as a guard, which is why we did. We had some discussion about it in the dams. I'm like, are we doing Ben Simmons as a guard? Are we doing him as a What is he? Well, he's counting him. If we did this preview last year, we probably would have counted him as a big. And you know, the Jacques Vaughn speaking in press conferences, his videos are going around where it's just like, if we play Bennett guard, we're going to play him here. If we got Senna here, can you play alongside Clack? So he's a guard. Let's keep it there. And if you guys want some serious deep dives on Ben Simmons, Check out the series where we really got into the nitty-gritty of Ben Simmons in his entire career up until this point and looking forward. So it might not be a heap of Ben Simmons talk on this one because there is two or three episodes for you guys to go through, but we'll still be mentioning him as part of the collective. Yeah, as you know, we could talk about him for an hour alone just because of all the question marks with him. But even this group overall, I think there are some question marks and we're going to jump into that. But before we do that, Quickly, let's look at last season for this group. And obviously, it was a big change. You know, they started the year with a superstar point guard in Kyrie Irving. He was moved at the trade deadline. A lot of the other guards that played on this team, you know, Seth Curry, Patty Mills, Joe Harris, those guys are all gone. And by the end of the season, it was Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, Cam Thomas, and no Ben Simmons on the floor, but still on the team. So I guess looking at Spencer and Cam from last year, what are your thoughts on them? Yeah, look, Spencer Dimony upon his return was really good. You can obviously, we had some serious qualms with him. In Didn't terms expect of ball to hear that to... today. Didn't expect to hear look, that today from you. <laughs> look, I'm just going to say it. Like the numbers, Nick, 16.5 points, 9.1 assists. That Just those numbers in a vacuum by themselves are very good. Yep. Three-point shooting, not so good. 28.9%. The ball hogging tendency is not so good. Like 13.7 field goal attempts is a little too many for my liking. But if we're looking at the playmaking overall, I thought his playmaking was sensational. And we spoke about that game after game after game. We're like, Spence, when his playmaking is there, the team just looks better. It allows Mikel to flourish a little bit more. Cam J, as well as all the guys around him, you know, Spencer and Clax can continue to develop a, a little bit of synergy. So look, I think in a vacuum, having some time removed from it, Nick, is I think he did too much and wanted to do too much. Spencer Dinwiddie impacted the Nets positively. Like losing Katie and Kyrie and getting Spencer Dinwiddie in return and the numbers that he did produce, while there was some inefficiency, you know, 46.5 A field goal percentage is just bad, but the playmaking was just needed. Like his clutch... You look at the clutch numbers, that's where it sort of sticks out where it's just like, man, I just really wish that Mikael Bridges was just given the ball in clutch time so we can get him get in those rates because Spencer was the guy that led the team in clutch shooting in terms of volume during those periods. And, and that's not something I was a big fan of, but I was a big fan of his playmaking. So I think looking at it from a overall perspective, it might not be an A-plus Spencer Dimwini sort of tenure, the 26 games that he produced for in the black and white, 
but it certainly isn't like a D plus either. Yeah, I thought overall, you know, he was good considering the circumstances. You know, this is a team that was thrown together at the trade deadline. You know, mentioned Katie and Kyrie leaving. Then Spencer's kind of running the show. And Mikel's kind of coming in his own of being a star. And you saw that progress, you know, through the end of the season. But at times, he probably wasn't aggressive enough, you know, calling the ball or taking more shots, where it was kind of left to Spencer doing what he, Jacques Vaughn knew what he was getting with him. And he was able to rely upon him. And some of that was too much. You know, some of it was asking Spencer doing to play like a superstar and he's not that guy so I thought overall you know he was good he was just asked to do too much and that's you know given the circumstances and the Nets coaching staff I think this season will be able to kind of grade him more fairly because there'll be a better understanding of his role and then also there will be some more team chemistry and guys able to kind of do more on their own and also other players being able to set up other guys rather than just depending on Spencer Dinwiddie to run so much of the offense. Yeah, so obviously Ben and Cam will need to take a little bit of the range from him. Obviously, Mikhail as well has talked about improving his playmaking. We'll dive pretty deep into him. We might even give him an individual episode going forward. But in saying that, Nick, any final Spencer thoughts before we jump into Benny Boy for a little bit and, and kill a Cam? Not really. You know, I thought, like you mentioned, the other thing that stuck out was three-point shooting. He's been really sporadic as a three-point shooter. You know, hopefully this upcoming season, he is more successful, you know, off the dribble and catch and shoot. And, you know, Ben's able to create some opportunities for him. Like you mentioned, Mikel, even Cam Johnson, I think, taking on a larger role in terms of playmaking. We should be able to see a better version of Spencer doing better than what we saw last year. Yeah, no doubt. Then Cam Thomas, let's get to him, Nick, because I think whether he's divisive, whether there is, uh, he is divisive. It's not whether he's divisive, he is divisive. But, you know, last season, 10.6 points, but only the 1.4 assists to go with 1.7 rebounds. Did shoot over 38% from three. Wow. You know, an any field goal percentage, though, of around that sort of 50 mark. But his, his free throw percentage got to the line 3.1 times and shot nearly 87% from there in 17 minutes per game. How would you surmise as Cam's 22-23? Yeah, it was a strange season because he really flashed star potential. You know, that's that three-game stretch where he had over 40 points, and then there was just a weird vibe between him and the coaching staff and him getting rotation minutes over players that he clearly was more impactful than. You know, obviously, there's some deficiencies to his game, and you know, maybe a shot diet isn't great, and defensively, he's not amazing, and he doesn't necessarily run the offense, but he was clearly better than Seth Curry, better than Patty Mills, and those guys were seeing minutes over him. So I think it was a frustrating year for probably Cam and for the fans. So hopefully this year he has a steady role and you know you can see more of who Cam Thomas is because we had just like flashes and glimpses. It never really felt like we got the full package for a long period of time. Yeah, that's why I think it's worth looking at the splits. So October, he only played a couple of games. In November, played 15 games, 250 minutes. And we're looking at scoring and efficiency for when it comes to Cam. You know, average 7.3 points, only shot 38% from the field and 30% from three. You go to December, has nine games, lifts that number up. Uh, sorry, drop, that number drops again to 5.9 points. The efficiency does get, you know, quite a bit better. But it starts to pick up a little bit in January and February. January, you know, there's the seven games, but he's averaging nearly 10 points. He's averaging, you know, nearly 43% from threes, getting to the free throw line a little bit. And then February is the breakout. You know, we, we spoke about those big, big games where it's like, you know, he's on alongside LeBron James and Michael Jordan with those 40-point pieces. You know, he averaged over 20, nearly 24 points in nearly 28 minutes played. The efficiency was was pretty good from three, 41% from the field, 45, you know, a little bit average there. March, you know, drops to 13 points, sorry, 6.6 points in only 13 minutes. And then skyrockets a little bit again when the games don't matter as much in the three games in April where he he puts up 16 points in only 18 minutes and he's shooting, you know, nearly 67% from three. So you sort of are looking at the inconsistency. Well, the inconsistency in role was also reflected in that. So we know Cam has had his issues with Steve Nash. He's might have had his issues with with Jacques Vaughn before. We don't know uh, that entirely, but the inconsistency for him was something that I know we were pretty frustrated about. And I think that it was because of the likes of Joe Harris, Seth Curry, D, Patty Mills, getting larger portions of game time than Killer quote Chef Cam, whatever you want to call him. But yeah, I, I still think it's hard to sort of surmise what it was because it was the definition of a roller coaster it was up yep. and down for him 
Yeah, I think also another stat that really sticks out in February is his free throw attempts. He almost had more free throw attempts in February than the rest of the months combined. You know, that's a that's a pretty hefty number, 86 free throw attempts. Also saw his three-point attempts really skyrocket, and obviously some of that was the usage taking a major jump as well. But he looked comfortable. You know, the Nets were winning and losing games at that point, but some of that was just due to the roster missing a ton of pieces because of all the moving parts with trade. So it's really important, I think, also for the Nets to have a better idea of who Cam Thomas is. And, you know, we were screaming on this podcast for the rest of the season. We wanted to see who he was. You know, you wanted to see him get a good chunk of minutes so you could really, you know, take away some real, real thing ideas about his game. Yeah, and you could project his role going yeah. forward. And we still can't totally about that, you know, there's some people calling for him to start. There's some people calling him to be a, a pure six man. You know, the the stats are out there. You know, when he has 30 plus minutes, it's something like 25 plus points. You know, between 20 and 29 minutes, he averages over 17 points a game. So when Cam gets the time and gets the time to shine and showcase, you know, he produces. So I think that when we get to key questions and, and that going forward, Cam Thomas and his individual role is going to be one of my key questions going forward. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's just going to be something that's crucial. And I think also we'll have a better idea this season of, you know, is Cam's successful or productive play connected to winning as well? You know, obviously this isn't the best roster in the NBA, but I think we'll get a sound like Jacques Vornick. <laughs> we'll get a better idea of, you know, how he impacts winning basketball. And that's an important aspect of any NBA player. Yeah, no doubt. Obviously, I think some of the, the issues that Jacques Vaughn had with him and some of his post-game presses left a little bit to be desired, but there was some truth in it, you know, in terms of Cam's ability to be an impactful player because he's such a negative on defense. And I think some of that is just lack of game reps and consistency because you're going, you don't know when your role is coming, that engagement on on both ends of the floor. Obviously his playmaking is, is still something that is, is a work in progress. So look, I think that there is, Blame to be shared, I would say, but I think that when Jacques Vaughn is sort of saying, look, he puts up 40, but what's he doing when he's not putting up points? And it's just like, yeah, but then how's he meant to put up (laughs) points? Putting up 40 is pretty hard, but then how's he supposed to put up points when he's giving him DMPs and Seth Curry's in 20 minutes, Penny Mills in 15 minutes? Like Those are the things that left a a sour taste in my mouth, and maybe that was a directive from Sean Marks as well, but we'll see how it all pans out because Cam was also in – some minor trade talks here and there, which we discussed on on previous pods. So look, Cam Thomas is you know one guy that we could probably discuss for an equally large amount of time. This might be a long pod, Nick. Yeah, I mean, I think also another thing with Cam is you kind of mentioned Jack is you know the way he's viewed by you know NBA fan bases and Nets fan base. You know, some people think he's has star potential. Other people think you know he'll be a long term six man or bench player. So it's really kind of a polarizing topic. It, it it certainly is polarizing in many ways. You know, I don't know what's more polarizing, whether it's the Cam Thomas talk or the Ben Simmons talk. Yeah, let's move to Ben. Obviously, last year we saw him for a portion of the season and it was, you know, in some success, out, couldn't really get back to that success, question marks about his health, and then we got him shut down for the rest of the year. Yeah, look, I, I just don't think we need to totally add a heap into what Ben Simmons did last season because... We dive incredibly deep on the, on those pods, and and I hate to like just sort of shamelessly self promote, but if you're listening to this, it's worth listening to that when it comes to Ben Simmons. And I guess the newest thing we saw, he spoke to another media outlet speaking about him being a point guard and him being back and all those different things. So I think that's um I, I, while Ben is hyping him up himself up a little bit, and all credit to him if that's how he needs to motivate himself and and get himself ready and and right to go. What we've seen from him in Brooklyn, you know, other than a six-game sample size, you know, in in November last season, there's just so many question marks, so many unknowns that it's just hard to analyze Ben Simmons as a player going forward, and and what he what he has produced in his Nets tenure has left a lot to be desired. Yeah, and like you said, you know, we really dove deep into it on those episodes, so we're not going to jump too far into it on this show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. But I guess looking at this group overall, you know, success or disappointment last year? Look, I'd say a disappointment because, and I think as we alluded to, some of it was self-inflicted, some of it wasn't. You know, Ben Simmons' injury, injury history, Cam Thomas's lack of playing time. But I would, I'd still give him a somewhat of a success. And maybe if, okay, two out of three of these guys are somewhat successful, maybe that is a success. But I think because of the expectations on Ben Simmons being so high, the one out of three, the one third of that almost accounts for a little bit more. So I'd be leaning towards a disappointment, Nick, but you, know, you could you could probably talk me into it being successful as well. Yeah, I'd say it's a disappointment. And I think, you know, you look at Cam Thomas and I wouldn't say his play was necessarily disappointing. It was the Nets utilization of him. So overall, I think that's you know, the coach not putting him in success to succeed. You know, obviously we don't know the stuff behind the scenes, but overall, you know, I think it's a disappointment. You know, Spencer was pretty good. It's not like he was necessarily consistently amazing either. You know, he had stretches where he was really, really good and was playmaking at a high level, but then you get to the playoffs was pretty bad. You know, and Cam Thomas didn't even get to play in the playoffs and the rest of the guards that played in the playoffs weren't very good. So I think overall, you know, this group was a disappointment. And even if we included guys that are no longer on the team, it was not a successful year for the guard department. No. And yeah, I think that's, but it's interesting because of in the research I've done for some of these new guys, especially uh, Lonnie and Dennis Smith Jr., you could make an argument that if you're including those guys, like you could turn this into success because Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker for different periods of their respective seasons in Los Angeles and Charlotte were pretty successful for what they produced in their teams. Yeah, especially Dennis Smith Jr. You know, it's a guy that was on the fringes of the league. You know, he's a guy that wasn't sure if he was going to be playing in the NBA much longer and really bounced back and had an awesome season with Charlotte. Lonnie Walker had some really good stretches. We've talked about, you know, when they acquired him, the stretch he had in the playoffs for the Lakers and helping them win that game against Golden State. So I think those guys were successful in their situations. Just the guards in Brooklyn overall, I probably would not say a success. But I guess looking at this group that we have going to this season, Jack, what are the strengths? Yeah, look, I think that what I've written down is not a hate nip because there is a sort of, okay, I'll save it for the weaknesses. The strengths for me are on-ball defense. I think for me, that's Ben and Dennis Smith Jr. Shot creation for self and others. Self, Cam Thomas, others, Ben Simmons, Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, self as well, Lonnie Walker. Yeah, Derek Whitehead, I think, can create a little bit for himself too. Um, Amani Brooks, three-point shooting. But I think overall, you know, there's not high-end level talent here, but in terms of individual talents that some of these players possess, they can certainly contribute when it comes to things that I alluded to. Yeah, I think they have multiple playable pieces with different skill sets. You know, guys that can get NBA minutes that, you know, Jacques Vaughn can use as a chess piece. 
you know, look at the other, the guys that you mentioned, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. could be a lockdown defender and provide you some of those natural point guard things. Lonnie Walker could be a microwave off the bench. Same thing with Cam Thomas. You know, Ben is a huge mystery, but if he were to play at a super high level, you have this unique guard that, you know, 6'10", 6'11", and can move really well. I think if everyone is healthy and up to their full natural capacity, this is also a pretty fast group. You know, this, they have some speed to them, you know, looking at Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith Jr. Um, you know, Spencer Jim, when he has good speed, Ben Simmons, when fully healthy, and even Cam Thomas, isn't the slowest guy in terms of going North and South. So I think that's an area where they could probably be, you know, somewhat successful. I think uh, like you mentioned, you know, there's an ability to create for this group and some of it's creating for themselves, creating for others, but Guys can get downhill. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie can get downhill. Ben, when he's peak Ben, can get downhill. Cam, during his best stretch as an NBA player in February, we saw him get to the rim and get to the free throw line. Lonnie Walker can get downhill. Dennis Smith Jr., the same thing. So I think that's, you know, an area where they can be successful and also an area the Nets really lacked last year in terms of rim pressure. Yeah, I think that's where the Nets are going to be looking a lot to their game plan because they through just what we've seen, the Nets run a lot through their guards, you know, ever since you know the Kenny Atkinson sort of era. So because of the the nature of the guards that we do have, you can expect the defense to feed a lot of the offense. You can expect there to be a decent amount of pace because I don't think that their half-court offense is going to be you know, in the top half of the league, if maybe not even top 20. So I think that they're going to need to utilize the opportunities that you were sort of talking about and try and push the pace a little bit. We know the the touchdown passes, the go-ahead passes. Ben loved those last season. Yep. Even he didn't really want the ball in his hands. So, and, you know, getting to the line, you know, Cam's really good when he gets there. Spence is pretty good in terms of creating a, a, some volume when he gets there as well. But, you know, Ben Simmons, that's the, the big question that Zach Lowe had. And we sort of discussed it on the pod as well. Does he want to get to the free throw line? So you alluded to the nature of the downhill being a strength and getting in the open court can be a strength for most of our guys. When you get to the free throw line, what's Ben Simmons going to be doing? That's a, that's a question. Yeah. Is he willing to take the contact and get, get there, you know, or is he going to pass the ball before he approaches the defender? You know, that's something we saw last year, but I guess moving into weaknesses, what do you have, Jack? I had just as an overall thing that a lot of these guys are sort of, we speak about sort of two-way, three-way players and three-level players. The, a lot of these guys are sort of one level. Like yep. Spencer's like more of an offensive player, can do a little bit defensively. Cam is certainly a one-way player. Dennis Smith Jr. is more of a defensive guard than an offensive guard. Lonnie probably the same, even though he's probably got some athletic defensive potential, good wingspan. Ben Simmons, when he's at his best, is certainly a two-way player, but is much more defensive oriented player these days especially through the the lack of offensive generation he's been able to do for himself so i think the one the the sort of one-way player the lack of diversity to the skill set is is a weakness i think three-point shooting you know lonnie dennis smith jr not a good three-point shooter something we're in like the early 20s in terms of his percentage spencer dimony like if he can replicate what he did in dallas where he's shooting like 40 percent 38 percent you know over little stretches and that's where it was a backup guard. You know, that's where, you know, I want the efficiency to go up. So I think efficiency is something that I guess some of these guys do like, but Lonnie Walker can be a bit of a microwave and can be efficient. Cam Thomas showed that he can be efficient. I think three-point shooting is something that this group overall has in, you know, minor spurts, but I think it's overall a weakness overall, as well as the just offensive diversity. I agree. I think obviously three-point shooting is huge for the guard position. You know, you're spacing the floor, especially in the pick and roll situations. Can I go under a screen? And how much is that really impacting the overall flow of the offense if there's a lack of spacing already? So I think three-point shooting is going to be a big factor. Uh, like you mentioned, you know, I think also a lot of these guys have question marks. You know, we, we mentioned Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker coming off good seasons, but before that, you know, they weren't necessarily consistent NBA players. Can they replicate that again this year? We talk about Cam Thomas and getting along with the coaching staff and making a jump this season. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie, is he truly, you know, a, a starting NBA point guard or is he better suited as a six man? Ben Simmons, there's a million question marks. And Derek Whitehead even, you know, is he going to be healthy this year and able to play, you know, at an NBA level? So looking at that and then also there's no star, you know, there's no superstar. There's no all-star in this group as of right now. No, and I guess out of them all, Ben has the best opportunity to be that. Yep. You know, again, because we've seen it before, not necessarily in a Nets uniform, other than that, again, really small seven game sample size. Spencer has sort of been there in seasons past, but I think that was sort of more of his general prime. 
I think that Spence is getting towards the tail end of that. I think because, you know, heading into his 30s and stuff, I think you you lose that athleticism. The torn ACL too, you know, that exactly uh, had a pretty big impact, I think, on some of his athletic pop, even from the difference of his first net stint to his second net stint. You know, I think there's uh, maybe a gear slower. And I think some of that, um, that vertical is gone too. Not to say that he was a high flyer, but it doesn't seem like he gets up quite as much. No, and look, you don't have to be Jamaran at the position to be an impactful athlete, but I don't think the Nets have that in Spencer Dimley. They have it in Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith Jr., and Ben Simmons when he wants to or when he can physically and mentally. But yeah, I think that there is some... It's interesting, like the strengths, uh, the strengths, the weakness are the weaknesses. I think overall, it's there's like guys that make up for each other's weaknesses because like if you play Ben with... Cam J, you know, you play him alongside with Mikhail and and you 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 surround him with shooting, maybe even Lonnie Walker as just a shooter or Marnie Brooks or whoever else it might be. Then it's just like, oh, okay, well, Ben's weaknesses aren't necessarily there. Or you surround Cam with some more defensive guys. Maybe it's Cam and Ben, and you've got Mikhail, Cam J, and Clax out there. So like it's interesting, but a lot of these guys, and you can't play Dennis with Jr. along with Ben Simmons. You probably can't play Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton. So there's, it, it, while there are some strengths to it, because of the, I, I guess, for lack of a better term, profound weaknesses, there's going to have to be shuffling of the, the jigsaw pieces in terms of how these guards fit with our bigs and our wings. Yeah, it's not an easy job for Jock Vaughn. I think, like you mentioned, there's a lot of flaws in this group of players. There's flaws in you know, the bigs as well. So it's like, how can they find the correct combination to be effective offensively and defensively? And it just feels like no matter what they put out there, there's going to be a level of shortcomings in each lineup. And that's why the Nets aren't necessarily a championship team. Yeah, and I think the wings is where we're, a lot of these sort of weaknesses, three-point shooting... When you got DFS, Royce O'Neal, Cam J, Mikhail, those guys that we'll be discussing, you know, pretty in depth in in a future episode. Those guys possess the three point shooting. You know, Cam J's really good. I, I think he's elite. I think Mikhail is elite. You know, that's been shown in you know, a recent stat by NBA University. He's one of the best three point shooters from the corners in the left corner. I think it was. And then Royce, I buy into mostly, and DFS, I buy into mostly. You know, I think that they're better than any of the three-point shooters we might have in this guards list. But you can make an argument that maybe Lonnie Walker or maybe Cam Thomas on his day, but he's just starting to do sort of catch and shoot stuff. So I think where there is flexibility with our wings, that's going to be where the combination is like, you're going to have to have Royce and or DFS always out there with some of these guys. So there is that extra level of spacing. Yeah, all I know is you just disrespected Jalen Wilson. Oh, well, look, yeah, come on. Kidding, like, I'm just kidding, Jack. I'm just uh, kidding. I, look, I respect Jalen Wilson a lot, but, you know, it's Summer League, man. Like, we saw Cam Thomas nah. in a show out at Summer League, and Jacques Vaughn didn't care. But I think Jalen Wilson's going to be fun to, to analyze on the Wings episode. I'm saving my thoughts for him. Yeah, I'm just, just kidding. Just, I'm do just my kidding. research one episode at a time, Nick. Come on, yeah. mate. I'm just giving you a hard time. But I think that pretty much covers the strengths and weaknesses of this group. Anything else, Jack, you think we can add on the guards? No, I think that's rigidity in terms of the the skill sets that these guys do have is going to be it, it's going to affect the team overall and that what when you have sort of what the nature of the modern nba is more like skilled big guys and even big guards you know your giddies and i think i consider spencer dewey a pretty big guy that can yeah. do a, a little bit if we don't if we had more versions of Spencer Dimwitty with maybe slightly better shooting then you'd be like oh man they, these guys are kind of well rounded but because it's, I guess it's the payoff that you, because Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith Jr., you know, these guys that are filling out the roster of Marty Brooks, Derek Whitehead, you don't expect them to be, you're not getting, you know, two way, really complete players at the vet minimum. So you have to sort of put up with those weaknesses. But for the price of the Nets guarded them, you know, I want to preface that I, I, I think that there are really good signings. And this isn't me covering my own butt here, but. I think that they do have some weaknesses. That's going to affect the team overall, but I do like their individual talents and how they can contribute in the right iterations of five-man lineups. Yeah, and they can improve. You know, that's what they can do. You know, this coaching staff we talk about are very uh, player development-centric. You know, some of these, most of these guys still pretty young, and we've seen older NBA players even improve their game. But talking about improvement, Jack, what's the one aspect you want to see be better for this group next season? 
Is it just a, a cop out to just say three point shooting, Nick? Because look, can you imagine behind the scenes, Kevin Ollie and, and some other development staff just working with with Dennis Smith Jr., Lonnie Walker, Cam Thomas, Namani Brooks, Derek Whitehead, Spencer to just put up those three point shots? Look, I don't think that you can ask for more. You can't force guys to be better defensively. I, I don't know what the, the ceiling is on Cam Thomas as a defender. You know, is it James Harden sort of level where it's just sort of, he's a strong guy. You don't want him on the ball, but yet you're happy with him because he's he's pretty strong, has a good lower center of gravity. Spencer, you know, it, it, I think playmaking is is pretty good. And, you know, we've spoken that with the strengths and weaknesses. So I think that the one thing I would point to is just that three-point shooting is something that really does stick out in a way that we sort of spoke with the, the, the centers and the bigs that the rebounding sticks out. You know, rebounding and three-point shooting are two pretty key essentials in the modern NBA, three-point shooting especially. I know you're a big proponent of it. So I think that's, again, might be a cop-out answer, but I'm going with it. Yeah, I think it's a huge, you know, area they need to be great in, especially if they're going to try to play lineups with Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton or even Dennis Smith Jr. and Ben Simmons or Dennis Smith Jr. and Nick Claxton, you know, not having three point shooting, you know, at two of five spots is tough. So you need the three out of five guys to be really good. And that's going to include one guard and maybe Dennis Smith Jr. could bounce back and, you know, shoot a nice season from have a nice season from three. So three point shooting, I think, is a great choice, Jack. I think overall you're just looking to for a level of consistency from these guys. You know, almost everybody we mentioned did not play at a consistent level either last season or throughout their NBA career. You know, we start with Spencer Dinwiddie, very hot and cold, you know, had some amazing moments, was, you know, I think was the NBA player of the week once and his assist numbers were the best for the month of maybe March. And then Cam Thomas, some of that too is the coaching staff, but some of that was his play. Ben Simmons all over the place. And then Lonnie and Dennis, you know, we talked about it being more so about their career being up and down. So they just need consistent play. And obviously, 82 game season, you're not going to be perfect every night, but there needs to be some baseline of what to expect from everyone. Yeah, I hate to go to big questions for this group overall, jump ahead, but because there is a depth in amount of just decent NBA players, all the guys that we're speaking about, you know, Tariq Whitehead and Marnie Brooks, you know, they might crack their way into the rotation if there's some injuries. Tariq Whitehead might be the best two way player in this group. And like, obviously, he has to get healthy, but based off of the talent we know he has, he could be that guy. Yeah, in, in terms of just all-round sort of complete game that we are sort yeah. of alluding to earlier, I, I think that that's a fair argument to make. I think he's got plenty of time to go to get to that point. But in terms of the big question for, for this, because you've alluded to Lonnie Walker, decent, Dennis Witt Jr., you know, a nice little breakout, a re-breakout season in Charlotte. There are so many guys here. Like, there's going to be guys getting DNPs that yep. don't deserve to get DNPs because they are good NBA players. So whether it's Cam, whether it's Lonnie, whether it's Dennis, is Ben going to be healthy? It's almost like the the Nets were preparing, oh, Ben Simmons is going to get injured. We're going to have some injuries here or there. So we need to have some backups at certain positions. So I think that's a big question. How is Jacques Vaughn and Sean Marks going to juggle four guys who genuinely, you know, five guys, sorry, who genuinely are NBA players and deserve NBA minutes in today's today's league? Yeah, it's going to be hard. It's definitely going to be hard. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie probably is the most, I guess, solidified, proven and understanding of who he is. And I think that'll be, you know, seen in the role that he plays in this team in the minutes. But the other four guys, it's kind of up in the air. You know, you could argue Cam Thomas is, you know, battling Lonnie Walker and Dennis Smith Jr. for backup guard minutes. And Ben Simmons is kind of like needing to prove he's a starting level NBA player again and also prove that he can stay healthy and impact both ends of the floor. So it's just like all of these guys are fighting for, if not minutes, a role or a bigger role in this team. So it's it's going to be interesting to see if that brings out the best in this group or if we see not drama, but some negativity and, you know, some upset players in the locker room. You know, you think back to Edmund Sumner last year, not to say he handled it in a bad way or anything like that, but it was pretty known that he thought he should be getting minutes and he wasn't. And other guys who weren't performing were getting those minutes. Yeah, Cam Thomas had the Cam Thomas is never happy, you know. Yeah. I can't remember what the what the quote was, but um that, that he turned into the shirts, you know, it, it escapes me. Please hit me up if if you guys do figure it out. I'm sure I'll figure it out after a Google search. But 
yeah, it's 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 just something that's going to pan out and it's going to be intriguing to see how it does in terms of the roles for each of these players, you know, the, how they're going to contribute, when they're going to contribute. There's there's a lot of and there's a lot of talent within this group. Uh, uh, admittedly, somewhat limited in terms of its dynamism overall. But yeah, it, it's I wouldn't want to be Jacques Vaughan figuring out you know the depth chart, the lineups, all those different combinations because there's a, a, a some going to be some unhappy campers at certain points in time. Yeah, ain't shit funny, Jack. That's ain't uh... shit funny. That's what it is. It's ain't shit funny. Ain't shit going to be funny for. Uh, for this training camp Jacques. battle that's going to be coming this up training camp. these guys are Ancient. going to be going at it and that's really will going to get the best out of all these players hopefully and we'll see them kind of progress forward and you know if the group plays well you know maybe they're eating into some of the wing minutes you know maybe you see two or three guard lineups that nets fans hate but if these guys are performing well it's going to be interesting to see what the balancing act is yeah, if you see a DFS or and or Royce O'Neill trade, that might you know, depending on what the Nets get in return, it could allow for some of these guys to have increased roles. So there is a lot of balls to juggle. I hate throwing a heap of analogies in this podcast, but it it works and it, it's apt to sort of describe what's what the situation is with this uh, position in particular. But Nick, should we try and forecast? what these stats might be for these guys, what the roles might be. How do we want to sort of forecast forward to to finish this episode? Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Jack, breaking down roles in this team, I think we'd both agree Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be a starter. Yeah, that's the only thing that we might agree on, Nick, or people will agree with us on because who's the second? Uh, do any of the other these other these guys start? Like Ben says, he's a starter. Do you play Ben Spence? You know, Mikhail, Cam, J, and Clacks together. You know, I think that he needs to earn that. I know you've said that as well. Some people advocating for Cam as a starter. Should Lonnie Walker? You know, be that sort of spark off the bench. You know, Dennis Wood Jr. is a defensive sort of guy. So I think we can solidify Spencer Dimwitty. I guess a bigger question is, do, do any of these other guys start? If I'm giving you like over under 0.5 that we have other people we've discussed on this podcast starting alongside Spencer at the two or wherever, would you say over or under on that? Yeah, I think to start the year, you know, no one else will start, but maybe by the end of the season, Cam or Ben Simmons will start. I think there'd be a better argument for Ben Simmons starting if he was fully healthy for training camp. You know, I think it's harder to see him as a starter if, you know, he's not necessarily going to be ready for opening night and then he's ready in November. You know, do they change their starting lineup if they won a couple games or they're getting good chemistry with that unit? So I think that kind of makes that more of a mystery. And then obviously Cam Thomas, it's hard to envision him going from, not even in the bench rotation to now being a starter. So if I had a, a gun to my head, I would say Spencer is the only starter of this group as of today. Who do you think gets the most minutes out of Cam, Lonnie, Dennis, or is it lineup dependent? Because 
I would advocate for Cam Thomas. I think that he deserves it. And I think that if you are looking to juice up his trade potential, you know, that, that value, then I think you need to showcase it. You know, we sort of went through the different splits throughout the different months, give him a chance to prove himself and solidify a spot. If he can't, that's where you go. All right, Dennis and Lonnie, you guys are, are more seasoned quote unquote veterans, even though they're still only in their early to mid twenties. I, I think Cam deserves a, a shot at proving to be a quote unquote six man. Yeah. I think to start the season, he should be the six man. And I think that's what I would roll with. I think that would be, if I had to make a guess for anyone else and try to guess their role, I think Cam Thomas is a six man for this team. Maybe not necessarily six man. Cause I could see Royce being the first guy off the bench, but you know, the first guard off the bench is probably Cam Thomas. Is there a world, Nick? Now, I think this is in an ideal world if the Nets were to get like a, a Donovan Mitchell or or whoever else. That Spencer Dinwiddie, I think the best version of Spencer Dinwiddie is one that is like a six man because we saw it in Dallas where I think that he was underrated in his efficiency and, and productivity. So I think Spencer, while he might be the only solidified starter right now, I think his best role in terms of getting the best out of him is where you take the ball out of his hands, you lessen those minutes, and you allow him to be just a more efficient NBA player. I, I want that. I just don't think it's going to happen with the the roster makeup that we currently have in Brooklyn. Yeah, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be off the bench. It's just in a lesser role where he's able to be more efficient and kind of pick his moments rather than kind of depending on him to be the offense, which... You know, he's just not capable of being that guy. And that's no disrespect to him. There's, you know, five to 10 guys in the NBA that can essentially be an offensive engine. And he's not one of them. I think the one thing I want to see lessened is he averaged 35.3 minutes as a Brooklyn Nets in 26 games. Like, that's just like, that's what you get from your superstars. Now, I'm not saying that the Nets didn't require that. But now what we have seen with the the depth of amount of players at this position, at the guard position, you should be able to give five minutes or so to Cam Thomas or Ben or whoever else it might be, Lonnie or Dennis, and lessen that to 30 minutes at, you know, because other than that, you know, in it's been like 20, late 20s, early 30s that he has averaged. So 35 minutes is a lot. I want to see that number go down. Yeah, I think I'd be happy with like 32. You know, I still think he's, I guess, substantially better than every other guard in the roster in a way. You know, maybe Cam could surpass him because there's hope that he could. But as of today, you know, he's proven the most in the NBA and has had the most successful career given Ben is, you know, not really been productive for the last two years. You know, Ben has obviously had higher peaks, but he's yet to show that he can get back to that peak and we don't really know what his health status fully is at. So I think... It's really dependent on the other guys stepping up. If you know the Nets are having a good season, it's probably because other guys are playing well too, and he can play a lesser role. But if they don't play well, you know, he might have to see a similar workload. It really depends, you know, on who cows can run the show. We know Dennis Smith Jr. can run the show and Ben Simmons can run the show, but those guys are two big mysteries themselves. You know, like I mentioned, Ben with the health and also Dennis Smith Jr., you know, he was great last year, but the rest of his NBA career has not been perfect. No, and that's where I think those five, three minutes, whatever is negligible, can go down because I think Cam, Jay, Clax, and Mikhail, those are the guys that should be averaging 33 to 35 minutes a night for, for the Nets. I I just don't think, because if Spencer is out for that uh, period of time, during that period of time, I just don't think, uh, I, I just if he's there, you can't help but go, all right, is Spencer going to just take the shot when he shouldn't be taking the shot? Is he going to be get into you know some people that think Cam Thomas is a ball hog? I think Spencer showed that a little bit last season that he can get into that sort of mode. If you're not having him out there for 35 minutes, you're not having him out there for certain stretches of games, then you allow other guys to flourish a little bit. Ben's probably going to be a bit more of a playmaker, even though Spencer showed that in in really strong stretches. Dennis Smith Jr. will certainly be that. Cam probably. You know, is going to be more of a scorer. So there are guys here and there that can certainly make up for what Spencer does, you know, as a complete player. Cause I think he's the best complete player as we alluded to, but I don't think he does anything at a truly elite level. You know, playmaking is probably the one area where I could say he pushes that, 
But I think Ali's best Ben Simmons is a better playmaker. I think yeah. as a scorer, Cam Thomas's ceiling is much, much higher. Three-point shooting, I think that you can make an argument. Lonnie Walker's even better than him. So while he is the steadiest presence, he doesn't give you the most elite level of play either. Yeah, and I think also some of it too is seeing what the Nets offense is this year. You know, last year was essentially a ton of pick and roll. It could be that again, and it was really dependent on Spencer. And also I think last year's roster lacked you know, playmaking as we talked about creation for themselves or creation for others, you know, this year will have a little bit more of that and guys feel a little bit more comfortable creating for themselves and others, you know, talking about Mikel and Cam J. So that also could lead to a more efficient and more effective Spencer Dinwiddie. No doubt. And and that's what we want. We want the, the best versions of all these players in Brooklyn. The question is whether we will see that. I think that that's, that's going to be a question mark because of the glut at this position. Yeah, it's definitely a question mark. There's a lot of questions with this group overall, you know, just as we've kind of talked about throughout the entire show. But I guess, Jack, for you, who else would you solidify in a role? You know, we have Spencer Lockton as a starter. You know, is Cam the first guard off the bench for you? Or are you going with Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith Jr., Ben Simmons? Look, I want it to be Cam. I don't know whether Jacques Vaughn wants it to be Cam, but maybe I'm not seeing... I'm too rosy-eyed when it comes to the Cam Thomas experience, but I think it should be him. I think Ben needs to prove it. If I see in the in this preseason, I'll be happy to eat my words because we're doing these before the preseason, before media day, before all of that stuff. If we do like a revised version of, of our guards prediction, we might have to if Ben Simmons does show out, scores a little bit, gets to the free throw line, shows the elite level playmaking, bit of that athletic pop, then I'll be like, all right, then Ben Simmons can freaking start. But yeah. as of this point, as we record this on Thursday, September 21, 11.35 a.m. in Melbourne, Australia, I want Cam Thomas to be the first guy coming off the bench. I don't know whether Jacques Vaughn wants that, as I alluded to. Yeah, and it'll be interesting. I mean, they kept him another season. They didn't trade him. They probably could have moved on draft nights and move up a little bit in the draft. They decided not to. They probably could have added some you know, type of player or pick even later in the offseason, decided not to. So you would think that there has to be some type of plan for Cam. So that's giving me a level of hope that he'll have a more solidified role. But again, you know, I think he's battling Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker in terms for minutes. You know, Dennis Smith Jr.'s skill set is different, but at the same time, if Cam improves his playmaking, he obviously can provide, you know, a little bit more in terms of offense. And if Ben Simmons is out there and Claxton's out there and Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal and Mikel Bridges – you feel a little bit more protected from Cam's deficiencies defensively, and you don't necessarily need Dennis Smith Jr.'s, you know, defensive prowess as much as you initially thought you did. Yeah, I think this discussion is making me even angrier about what happened last season because we don't have Seth, Joe, or Patty even on this team. Yep. And yet Cam Thomas still wasn't given those opportunities to showcase what he might have, what he might not have. And now we have guys that are going to want to try and contribute and, and for their own reasons, try and get their own paydays and have their own individual vested interests. And that's going to make things even harder for Cam Thomas. And I just think that if I were him, I'd be like, come on, man, when am I going to get a break here? And Brooklyn just might not be his future team. It might not yeah. be where we see him get unlocked to his fullest potential. That will be certainly very sad for us, Cam Thomas believers and Guys, we've been watching his rise ever since, you know, the the Summer League MVP days and, and all the great things that he's shown uh, since then and you know, the 40-point performances and the the, win, the game winners against New York's. So many great, great moments in a Nets uniform. But it feels like to me, like at times, Jacques Vaughn and and, Sha- and Sean Marks like pushing him out in, in different occasions. Now, Cam has a, a little bit of responsibility in that too. But man, it, it's going to be tough for him. As much as I want him to be given that opportunity, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, Lonnie Walker could come in the training camp and just completely outplay him, you know, and earn those minutes and just do all the little things that the Nets are looking for. And, you know, that'd be frustrating, but that's a real possibility. I think if I'm playing devil's advocate to myself, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. could also be the first guard off the bench, you know, assuming because it's really hard to talk about Ben because we just don't know what's up with him. You know, he could be a starter. He could be the first guy off the bench. He could not be healthy. He could not be in the rotation. Who really knows what's going on with Ben? But Dennis Smith Jr., I just think back to to the report, you know, the Nets were calling him soon as free agency started. That was one guy they eyed early on. And I would assume they were guaranteeing him some level of playing time. 
Yeah, I can see one of these guys getting minutes over Cam Thomas and us discussing on a recap. Why didn't Cam Thomas play the minutes that Dennis Smith Jr. did? He didn't he scored three points on eight shots or something like that. I can envision that happening in October, in November, Nick. And I'm I'm already making myself angry thinking <laughs> about it, but I also can envision Dennis Smith Jr. locking down you know, a, a Darius Garland or a Tyrese Maxey and being like, okay, that's what we got him for. I think that Cam needs to be given the chance to make mistakes. And I don't think he's been given that enough. I think that Lonnie and Dennis should be used sparingly in the right games and the right moments. And if Cam is making too many mistakes, you can't just be like, because Spencer did when he made a lot of mistakes last season too, but he got the chance to play through that. I think in an ideal situation as a young player, you want to be able to play through your mistakes because from that you can grow. You're playing out, not just getting yanked after making one mistake, making one bad pass, making one, making one too many shots, taking one too many shots. So there's, this is going to be this big question of, you know, the, the minutes that will be allocated to these guys is something that we're going to be looking for. Probably not in the preseason because I don't think it's really going to matter there. But from you know this game one to game ten, how how things pan out when it comes to to the minutes for these guys is going to be intriguing to say the least. Yeah, I think Ben Simmons and his play and his health and his you know status will really determine a lot for the guard rotation in the sense of like if Ben's really good and he's starting now you're opening up two bench slots. You know what I mean? Where if he's not playing well, you're still trying to play him and he's coming off the bench and now you're taking away minutes from someone in that group. You know, in a perfect world, Ben's starting with Spencer Dinwiddie and now you're, you know, able to play Cam Thomas and Dennis Smith Jr. or Cam Thomas, Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker. Now that opens up things and there's just more room for you to, you know, work different angles. Cause I think if you're putting Dorian Finney Smith on the bench, that's not necessarily a bad thing because of the versatility he can provide at playing the four or the five. Yeah. The, we could have two hour discussions about the, the minutes that will be given the lineups that could be given, but you know, Ben Simmons is the ultimate wild card. And is he that positive sort of wild card? Like, you know, you see at tennis tournaments where a guy just sort of shows out and, and wins a couple of games here or there. Or is he Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? And is he cutting your brakes, you know, when you're trying to run, dr- drive down and, and do your errands? Like, the, that's the, the the variability with Ben Simmons that is such an unknown. But because there is some strength at this position. It's almost like there's there's too much talent. There's It's just like you, there's too many mouths to feed. Yeah, it really is. And that's a good problem to have because, like we said, hopefully it gets the best out of guys in training camp and throughout the season. And also it's good to have because someone's going to sprain an ankle. You know, someone's going to have knee soreness. You know, it's going to be a a four-game stretch in eight days or something like that. And you're going to need to play guys a little bit more or back-to-back or whatever it is. And who knows the status of Ben Simmons on back-to-backs. And even Spencer Dinwiddie's getting up there a little bit in age. You want to, you know, give him a night off here and there. So it's going to be pretty interesting. I guess, Jack, do you want to try to tackle the minutes for this group or what? Oh, man. Uh, um, No, but yes, let's go, <laughs> let's give it a try. I think we 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 sort of discussed with Spencer Dimony sort of that. We'll go. I'll go with thirty three. I'll go. I'll go with thirty one because that's what I want it to be, and I want it to be closer to thirty. So that's what I want it to be. Okay, I think that's fair. I think obviously we're uh, we have different views on Spencer a little bit, but also I think um, we'll have a better idea of you know how the Nets view him, how he fits, how what level of player he is on this team with a full off season. I think last year, again, it's kind of hard to grade guys when they're thrown together and, you know, other guys kind of aren't used to the role they're now playing. Cam Thomas and Ben Simmons, Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith Jr. There's only 240 minutes available. I don't know how, how we're going to do this. Nick. How, how are we going next? Are we going to go with Cam Thomas? Yeah, I think it's, Really interesting because we could take like a, a cop out and we could just do, you know, their per minute averages, which means they could get DMPs and not necessarily play that amount of minutes every night. So I think that's kind of where I'd be looking at a little bit. But part of me thinks Ben would get the second most minutes, but it's just so hard to predict because I don't know his health status or his just playing level. He played 26.3 minutes last season and in in 42 games. Like that's a lot of minutes for a guy who was as limited as he was. Yeah. You compare that to Cam Thomas, who played 16.6 minutes. 
You compare it to Lonnie Walker, who had, I'll quickly find it. But, you know, Ben Simmons isn't, if he's healthy, isn't going to be getting 26 minutes. He's going to be getting 30 minutes. Yeah. Now, does that mean, how, how does Cam Thomas get to 20? Because that's what I think a, a number, a, a sort of safe number that I want to see from him because all the numbers spurred out, just like as we spoke about earlier, when he gets the time, he, he gets the chance to showcase his skills. But you know, last season, Lonnie Walker played 23.2 minutes. That's I don't know if that's going to happen. 25.7 minutes for Dennis Smith Jr. The math doesn't work, Nick, and I'm a teacher and I can't figure it out. Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. I think, again, you know, if Ben's playing well, it opens up different things because you could play him alongside two more guards too. You know, it's like you could play him with Spencer Dewey and Cam Thomas at the same time. So now, like, you're digging into the wing minutes a little bit. And, you know, we've, we've talked about in the past, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith playing minutes at the five as well. You know, is could Ben potentially play some minutes at the five this season? I think, you know, as much as he doesn't want to, it could still realistically happen in some matchups. So it's just... It's really all over the place, but I agree with you. If Ben's healthy, he's probably playing somewhere between 28 and 30 minutes. I don't think he'd play much more just given his health status and the Nets wanting to maintain his back over the course of the season and then maybe, you know, turning it up in the playoffs or the plane or something like that. Yeah, it's this the minute allocation here is something that I I just totally can't figure out. Like last season, Michael Porter Jr. played 29 minutes coming off of, of his sort of back stuff. That's the number that you'd probably expect Ben to sort of be at. And that's sort of just the comparison point for whether it's a, a little bit short-sighted to just use a guy who had a back injury as that sort of thing, as the uh, a model. But I think that's a, it's a fair enough comparison. So yeah, 29 minutes for Michael Porter Jr. last season. But obviously Den- Denver is a completely different kettle of fish. They don't have five different guards that deserve to, to get minutes. They probably got like two. So I just... I can't totally predict Nick. I, like what I want is like what I, I want Cam Thomas to get 20 minutes. Like yeah. outside of Spencer getting 31 to 33, I want Cam Thomas to get 20 minutes. Whether that means he gets 15 minutes one night, 25 minutes another night, 30 minutes one night, 10 minutes another night. I want him to get 20 minutes. I want him to get the chance to showcase his skills. Um, The math might not allow that, but we'll see. Yeah, obviously the averages is always one thing too, because you know, Three guys are out. Cam Thomas is playing 38 minutes tonight, and that's going to boost his average. Because if you look at last season, he played 57 games and played over 16 and a half minutes a game, you know, and seeing him get three, you know, three and a half minutes more is not that crazy. But obviously there's a whole whole bunch of different factors going to that. You look at Seth Curry, played 61 games for this team last year, played almost 20 minutes a game. So that's, you know, that's something to kind of consider as well. So it's just, it, it's very hard to try to predict this with there being so much unknowns and so many new players in this group and one of the returning players not really playing much last season. Yeah, you'd win a Nobel Prize for maths you can, if you can figure out what the minute allocation is for, for this Nets roster. And if you can, and if you do have some sort of solution, please hit me up in the DMs at Jack Manuel, J-A-C-M-A-N-U-E-L-L, because I'll happily bring it on the pod and be like, God damn, this person is the smartest human being in the universe. The Nets need to hire this person to the analytics department. <laughs> I think also it's important to note too when you're talking about minutes is like, you can't give a guy like so little amount of minutes where it's just hard for him to even have a level of impact. You know, it's not like you can give someone five minutes, you know, that's just not realistic. I think you need to probably give someone the minimum is probably like eight to 10. And I think Dennis Smith Jr. is a guy that I could see being somewhat comfortable, you know, playing a smaller role, given how he could just kind of be a defensive guy and coming in. And maybe you could say the same about Lonnie Walker and his ability to kind of be a microwave. Yeah, I think you sort of alluded to with Dayron Sharp. You know, he can provide bursts because he is so frenetic in his energy when he does get out there. Cam is more of a rhythm player. Spencer yep. is a rhythm player. Ben's going to need rhythm. Can Lonnie and Dennis, you know, acclimate themselves to not getting 30 minutes a night? They're more likely to be the steadies from 12 to 22 or whatever it might be. And as guys that are a bit more mature, a bit more you know, experience in the NBA careers, will they get the chance to do that? Yeah, hopefully. And yeah, obviously there'll be injuries. And they have a better understanding be- because it's not their rookie contract. You know, Cam's still on his rookie contract where these other guys have now signed other deals with other teams and understand the business of the NBA a little bit better and what they need to do. And they're going to want to make business for themselves as well, Nick. So there's going to, as we alluded to earlier, they're going to have the vested interest in being able to showcase their talents. Like 
if Dennis Smith Jr. or Lonnie Walker want to you know, be long-term NBA players, they're going to have to showcase that they can be solid role players in limited time. So that is probably something that could work in their favor, but they're also going to want minutes to showcase that as well. They so could be more just, too. Yeah, there's the perspective that you take on this and there's so many different things. It's it's like, again, to throw in, it's always sunny in there. You know, there's the big whiteboard that or the big pin board that Charlie has. He's trying to explain to Mac all the different things and the, the repercussions that are happening. Uh, it feels like only, uh, I'm just, my brain is hurting thinking about this, Nick. I think we got to, I'm seriously. And we like, haven't I'm even mentioned sure. Armani Brooks or Derek Whitehead. You know, obviously Armani Brooks is on a two-way contract. He'll see minutes when guys are injured. Probably spend most of his time with the G League. And Derek Derek Whitehead probably spent a lot of time with the G League. But by the end of the season, could be up and could be fighting one of these guys for minutes. Yeah, he could become our new sort of Cam Thomas. So they'll be like, why isn't Derek Whitehead getting those minutes? Because we've we know the offensive talent that he does possess. Obviously, we did some deep dives on him. What he showed at Duke with. Um, some people, some experts in in their fields, but yeah, it's there's a there is a lot, Nick. There is a lot to comprehend, a lot to fathom, a lot to process when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets guards for twenty three twenty four. Yeah, I guess let's try another impossible task, and we'll do this quickly. Jack, give me your stat prediction for Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie stats. So you want just some pure numbers? You want efficiency? Yeah, some box score stuff, you know, basics, point per game, assists, rebounds, field goal percentage, three-point percentage. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, he had six. Uh, go to the early part of the pod if you want. He stats from last year. I think he'll drop a little bit in points, or I want him to drop a little bit in points because of the less than minutes. 15 points, eight assists, four rebounds. I want the efficiency to be, you know, three-point shooting to be 35 because he just hasn't really shown... The, the ability to do that very often in his career. So I'll just aim for like 36% from three on five or six attempts per game. And yeah, we, we sort of discussed the, the minutes per game and, and from the field, let's go with 43 because he doesn't really average anywhere sort of near that other than, you know, a season or two in Brooklyn. Yeah, I think, yeah, 43% from the field is pretty good. Maybe 44 if he's playing well. You know, 36, 37 would be really nice from three. Hopefully more catch-and-shoot attempts this year. I think he shoots really well from the corners, too, and just obviously didn't get those opportunities last season. And I think 14 points per game, maybe like seven and a half assists, especially if other guys are taking on a bigger role and his usage drops a little bit. And he'll probably maintain around that free throw percentage around 80%. And, you know, last year with the Nets, he was close to almost five free throw attempts. So I think it'll be closer to four this year. Yeah, like his peak was in Brooklyn when he was really balling out. He had it seven, but, you know, it's varied from obviously different roles here and there. So I think, yeah, anywhere from that three and a half to sort of four and a half range is is a, is a good bet. Yeah. Um, who do you want to try to tackle next? I, I can't, Nick. I, I just genuinely cannot predict the stats for some of these guys because as we alluded to with cam thomas the the stats just very wildly let's say cam gets 20 minutes a game let's just say he does hypothetically you know obviously we have no way to know if that's going to happen but a consistent 20 where it's not like five one night and 30 the other it's a it's around somewhere to 15 to 25 every night if cam gets 20 minutes a game i'm gonna go 12 and a half points i'll go two rebounds i'll go two assists and i'll go (laughs) 30%, 37% 30%, 37% from three, something like that. Well, I have this written down. I have 12, 2, 2, 2, 42, 37, 79. So, Dear Lord, we are, yeah. we are on point, mate. Yeah, pretty spot on there. If you had to tackle Ben, I guess just like a medium guess, you know, not on the high end, not on the low end, like somewhere in between that you think is somewhat realistic for him. Yeah, it's funny because we did that. And I think on... I've already changed my mind. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if, I don't um okay let me let me think I think the let's go like ceiling and floor so okay. like ceiling like I think ranges is good here Nick so I think the range of points can be anywhere from 10 to 15 let's let's go that and when it comes to free throw attempts I want it to be anywhere I think it can be as high as five but I also think it can be low as two because it was 1.4 last season. So two to say, five. One seems somewhat realistic to an extent. Yeah, I mean, he had 1.4 last season. He's not going to be worse than last season. He can't be. At least, I hope he can't be. And when it comes to the assist numbers, he had six last season on a bad season. So I'm going to elevate that to six and a half to eight. Um, and when it comes to rebounds, I'll go from 
six and a half to eight as well. Yeah, I think that all sounds about right. I think my floor for the points might be a little bit lower, maybe even under double digits, like nine points. Um, I think you're spot on with the rebounding and assists anywhere from like six to nine. You know, I think for both those categories as possible, if he's really getting a lot of touches, he could be up to nine assists. If he's being aggressive, he could be up to nine boards because the Nets could really use it. And the free throw attempts definitely could be anywhere from one to, you know, five or six. You know, I think even six is possible because that's just going to the line three times, you know, getting fouled on three shot attempts going to the rim is not out of the realm of possibility for a guy like him. He has an average that of more than like four or five across his career. So I think that would be a, 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 a really aggressive and engaged mentality from him. If, if he's averaging a career high in free throw attempts, that means we might have the best version of Ben in Brooklyn. So that's the number that we can maybe have to look to. Yeah. And I think also teams will be willing to foul him, you know, too. It's like if he's knocking down layups early on in the season, like that just might be like, all right, let's see what you can do. Yeah, and- we'll have to see. Dan Smith Jr., Lonnie Walker, we're not going to jump into those guys, or Armani Brooks or Derek Whitehead, because there's really no idea. Um, where would you rank this group in terms of position position groups on the Nets? Yeah, I mean, we spoke about the bigs last time. We were sort of toing and froing. Are the guards at two? Are the, the 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 bigs at two? I think you know after the discussion, after reflecting, and after having pretty deep discussion, I think this is clearly the second best overall position uh, when it comes to the Nets. Yep. Easy, easy answer there. Jack, any other big questions you want to tackle? Obviously, we talked Ben, we talked Cam. Anything else come to mind with this group you want to tackle before we get out of here? Mate, we have gone so deep. And I've <laughs> loved every every bloody second of it in terms of talking about different iterations, different lineups, different skills, strengths, and weaknesses. If there is something that I have missed, then look, there's uh, kudos to anyone out there who can let us know that we oh we didn't talk about Dennis Smith Jr. shooting 35% from three in October well <laughs> I did that on a previous podcast when he did sign with us so no but in saying that it's I, I love doing these previews they're a lot of fun getting into the X's and O's and these episodes are going to be good for the next month or so but the NBA season doesn't kick off till then so give this one a listen once twice tell your friends and family get on board the buzz is rising the buzz is buzzing. Let's just keep going, Nick. Let's keep riding. Yeah, keep riding into the season. A lot of content dropping as always, Jack. Big pleasure. Big thanks to everybody listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms.